of you that um, know me well, nothing I'm about to say is going to surprise you. For those of you that are new here, um, I hate to burst your bubble, but I'm getting ready to just expose some of my flaws this morning. Um, I am a very competitive person, so that means that I can be kind of demanding of people at times. Um, And this is in no particular order, by the way, so um, you can mix and match these uh, any way you'd like. Um, I have very high standards for myself which means that I tend to be very critical of others when I feel like they're not living up to the expectations that I have for them. Um, I'm selfish, especially at night. That's like my really bad time when the kids are going to bed and I just want to do what I want to do and I'm winding down. Um, Sometimes I don't communicate very well. Um, I keep a lot of things up here that don't come out of my mouth. And so a lot of people say I kind of have a poker face. I'm kind of hard to read. Um, I have this really annoying habit of... Uh, people asking me questions, and I'll think about the answer, but I'll just never say the answer. And sometimes I'll just walk away. That's very disturbing for my family. Um, I put a lot of trust in my ability to persuade people with my words, as opposed to like praying for God to do something in people's lives. I think I can just make it happen by my persuasiveness. And I'm sure we could think of more if we took more time, but we're not going to do that this morning. Um, And you're probably wondering, why is he doing that? Well, I'm going to get around to that in just a little bit. I'm going to tie it all together. But I just wanted to get some of those out on the table for us this morning. Um, Let me remind you again of um, just kind of this process we've been on. We've been working through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And the climate in which Paul arrived uh, on the continent of Europe, so he had been ministering mostly in the Middle East and in the continent of Asia, and then he crossed over to northern Greece. And he arrived in this town called Thessalonica, uh, which all of northern Greece was a very pagan culture, um, worshipped many gods and idols and all that stuff. And so he came in for the first time with this message of Jesus Christ, his death, resurrection, and the hope that that can bring for your life, and um, got a lot of followers to that, um, and also got a lot of enemies to that as well. And so there were Jewish people in the town that didn't believe that Jesus was a Messiah, and they wanted to get rid of Paul. So Paul was not in Thessalonica very long, um, just long enough to teach them for a little while, to share the gospel with them. Um, But then he kind of needed to appoint some leaders, which was his habit anyways, uh, because he was going to be gone, and they ended up kind of kicking him out of town. So he appointed some leaders, and Luke talks about this process in the book of Acts, kind of how it would go in each town. He says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so each place that Paul went and preached the gospel as the new church started, he would pray and lay hands on the people who would be the leaders when, when he and his, his ministerial team would move on. So after Paul got booted out of Thessalonica, we talked about how he moved on to Corinth. And, you know, within about a year, he sent one of his cohorts back, Timothy, to check on the church in Thessalonica to see how they were doing. And Timothy comes back with this great report, which prompted this letter to the Thessalonians, in which Paul said, hey, Timothy came back, said things are going really well. Um, You know, that's really encouraging to me. You guys are loving each other real well. Your faith in the midst of a pretty hostile environment has been been awesome. It's inspiring me. It's inspiring the other churches around you, so way to go. But one of the issues that became a struggle was this, is that when Paul left and appointed leaders, he didn't have this huge pool of people who had been Christians for a really long time to choose from. I mean, this was a new message. So everybody that he appointed to be a leader 
was young in their faith. They might have been old in age, but they didn't, hadn't known Christ long. And so these were pretty kind of spiritually immature people um, that he was putting in charge and, you know, that were trying to do the best job that they could. You have to remember, again, at this time, there's no written New Testament. No written account of Jesus and what he did or said. So all they had was whatever Paul had had the time to teach them and they had to orally memorize it um, or they had to watch the way Paul lived his life and try to model uh, Jesus based on how Paul lived. And so that's what these young Christians were trying to do um, in this town. So that could be definitely challenging at times. Um, So as we come to chapter five today, um, Paul is gonna give us some very critical teachings on the responsibility of the shepherds or the leaders in the church, and then also the responsibility of the sheep or the congregants in the church as well. Um, And it seems that his comments might have been born out of maybe a little bit of grumbling there that might have been going on towards the leadership, um, which is understandable. These folks were trying to kind of figure out how to follow Christ. They were flawed people like everyone else, just like me. Um, But the relationship, Paul spends time on this because the relationship between the shepherds or the leaders and the church, the sheep, um, is so critical for the health of the church. So critical. There's nothing more devastating to a church than when relationships between its leaders and its people kind of get crosswise. And, um, you know, there's a lack of maybe appreciation on behalf of the sheep for the leaders or disrespect or criticism that goes on. Um, there might be neglect on the part of the leadership or abuse towards the sheep. Um, and things break down when those relationships um, are crosswise, that there's a lack of confidence, that there's a lack of trust, um, a lack of love or appreciation between shepherds and sheep. And today we're going to be talking about the responsibilities that we as leaders have towards you as the congregation and then vice versa as well, um, because we each have roles to play in the church. And for some of you, this might be pretty unfamiliar territory. And what I mean by that is that a lot of you guys, you're, you're new to church. This might be the first church that you've ever like been to for any amount of time, um, or maybe the first church that you've kind of called home. And maybe you didn't know that like there's that God kind of demands some, some roles here that we play and some responsibilities that you have, that it's not just about coming and singing good songs and, and hearing a message, but you actually have uh, some responsibilities uh, as a part of the church body. And I want to begin today by saying that I don't have an agenda, okay? I didn't come up with this topic because I know a bunch of people are mad at me or anything like that. It's just the next set of verses that we're reading in First Thessalonians, okay? So don't think that I'm just, you know, trying to, whatever, cast some stones here this morning. But this is a really important topic, and as I, I read through it, I understand that there's places that as, as staff and our board that we need to grow in. There's places in which you guys probably need to grow in as well, and so we're all going to help each other in this process. So I'm going to put the scripture up on the screen today. Because we're kind of using a, a little bit different versions than, than in your pew Bible. So you can go ahead and put those up. We're going to be using the new international version, but the old one, 1984. The one you have is an updated one. And then on the right is another version called the message. So we're just going to look at both of those. So let's read the NIV version first. It says, now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And then the message version says this, And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you 
who have given the responsibility, who have been, been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Get along among yourselves, each of you doing your part. Okay, so that's kind of the, the background here. So what you see are two verses <clears throat> are the responsibilities that we have towards one another. So let's begin with the church leadership. <clears throat> First of all, if you're not aware, we have four full-time staff here. Myself, Justin, who you met earlier, uh, Stacy Kearns, who heads up our discipleship ministry, and then Becca, who is our children's director. And we also have four members of our board, um, Dave Hind, Rich Fox, Erica Alban, and Megan Codeman. Okay, so that's kind of uh, our staff and board. Um, all of our staff here are doing their jobs for the first time. None of them have ever had a church job before when they started here, so all of them have had to learn from scratch kind of how to do this, how to do their jobs, and it's definitely in this context, which sounds a lot like probably what the leaders in Thessalonica were going through as well. And there are several terms that Paul uses when he writes all these letters that you find in the New Testament. He uses several terms to kind of describe leaders, and and each one of these titles has certain responsibilities. He uses words like elder and pastor and leader, Um, an overseer, and within those titles are responsibilities like spiritual maturity, providing spiritual maturity and wisdom, oversight and authority, discernment and vision, spiritual feeding and protection. So I want to begin with the question today, what do we as church leaders here, called and appointed by God, what do we owe you as congregants? Okay, when we look at these scriptures, what do we owe you? So Paul lists three different things. Um, So we can put those back up there, Todd, so people can just kind of look at that. First, in verse 12, it says that we are to work hard for you. We are to work hard for you. Now, a question that I get from time to time is this. What do you do all week? Besides, like, hang out at Panera, right? (laughs) Can I get an amen? Yes. All right. Now, I will admit um, that our work here as, as pastors is primarily emotional and mental, not really physical, okay? We're not, you wouldn't want to hire Justin and I to do anything, okay, that, that had anything to do with physical, physical labor. <clears throat> but as a church, we are really founded on relationships here. So our staff, I encourage them to spend a lot of time with people. Um, and so we meet with leaders in our areas of ministry. We meet with people who are just in need, who need counseling, who are are sick or whatever might be going on in their life at the time. Um, we meet with people who have a desire to grow and go deeper, that want to be mentored, that want to be discipled. And so we spend a lot of time with people um, on a given week. We don't spend a lot of time preparing for or putting on events. That's really not what our church is about. And so um, most of our work you don't see. What you see here on Sunday morning, this one hour, is kind of like just a little tip of an iceberg that's just barely above the water, while this big mass underneath the water is really what we do most of the time. So you're only seeing a very small part of our work week here on display on Sunday morning. Um, And our desire for all of you, all the things that we do, the time we spend with people is this. Um, Paul describes his heart in Colossians. He says, he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. His desire is to present everyone fully mature 
in Christ, okay? And that's a lofty goal, and that's a difficult task because people are difficult, right? Me included. Um, And so what we deal with mostly with our staff is emotional exhaustion, we have to be very careful to make sure that people are staying healthy on our, on our staff because getting involved in people's lives um, can wear people out. It's tiring in a different way maybe than you might see it. And like most flawed people, we also are battling these own selfish desires that we have inside of us that just wants life to be easy. One of the verses that I came across this week is by a, a missionary named Amy Carmichael who was um, Irish, but she was a missionary in India for 55 years. And she kind of talks about the struggle of leadership, and this is what she said. She said, God hardened me against myself, the coward with pathetic voice who craves for ease and rest and joy, myself, arch traitor to myself, my hollowest friend, my deadliest foe, my clog, whatever road I go. And so our first responsibility as leaders here is to work hard among you, striving to help you mature in your faith and all the time kind of battling that selfish parts of us that just want things to be easy. (laughs) Secondly, in verse 12, you can put that back up again, Todd. It says says that we have been given authority over you, and this authority is delegated by Christ, and it is our responsibility to, to care for the spiritual health of the church. So as leaders, we are to, to kind of set the tone to, to make sure that morale is what it should be. Um, it's our role to enter into whatever circumstances you might have going on in your life, um, to inspire unity, um, to care for people throughout the healing process. It's also our responsibility to pray. It's our responsibility to um, you know, strategize about uh, how to make our church better, to assess our effectiveness, to find solutions to problems, to work for change, all of that stuff. We have charge over you. And this is not a power trip mentality. We're not like excited that God's given us all this authority and we're gonna, you know, pound you into submission. Um, You know, if we're gonna lead like Christ and we do it as servant leaders, and so that's our desire, um, and we do it with a constant dose of, humility that the task is great and that we are very flawed people as well but we believe that God has called us into this that he's appointed us that he's given us authority he's given us authority to lead Um, and believe me none of us ask for this responsibility so I want to be clear about that so Paul says the shepherds are to work hard they're to exercise their God-given authority and finally to admonish or as the message version says to urge and guide you along in your obedience Now, that word admonish means instruction with a view towards change. Okay, so our desire is to join God and partner with him in in his process of making you more like Christ. Okay, so that's what we're trying to do. And this is tough because we are tasked with the responsibility of confronting you in your disobedience. And that's not an enjoyable task at times. Because if you're like me, I don't like being called out on my disobedience, right? And sometimes when when we're confronted with our disobedience, we do all kinds of things uh, because we're offended, right? We we blame other people or we get defensive or we just run away. We don't want to deal with it. Um, we, We come up with excuses to justify our actions. And sometimes we just lash out at the people who are trying to speak the love, truth and love to us. 
But this spirit of admonishment, this instruction towards change, um, on our part is, is, is to be a gentle and a tender instruction, okay? Um, because usually people respond to that kind of instruction. Paul talks about, again, kind of his heart for this in 1 Corinthians. He says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Okay, when he would talk, especially to these young churches, he would do it as a father to his kids, you know, not, not trying to, to put them down or to, or to disgust them, you know, with, with things, but, but to warn them because he loves them, because he wants the best for them. And so that's our heart as well. We care about you guys. We want what's best for you. But I can tell you, um, or I guess I say I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come into my office over the past eight years. And they're the ones that come to me and, and kind of pour out whatever problem they're having. It might be with their marriage or parenting or relationships or whatever. And I'm not really sure what they're expecting me to say to them when they come. But when I say something like, man, it really seems like maybe you should forgive that person. Or, you know, I point them to the scripture and say, man, I don't know. Sounds like maybe you need to look at yourself in the mirror a little bit about some ways in which maybe you're not handling this right. Whew. That doesn't really usually go very well. And, um, I mean, there have been people that have come in and, and done that, and then I've never seen them again, literally, like, leave my church. Um, or they just don't ever come back for counseling again. Um, so, in general, we as people, we don't want to have to obey God's word. We want people to kind of join us in our misery or suffering and kind of say, yeah, yeah, you should feel slighted and all that stuff. And sometimes, you know, you are... Um, Somebody is wronging you. So, um, but in general, we, we tend to want life on our own terms. And so it becomes difficult um, when we're trying to help people obey sometimes. And leadership in the church is a little bit of a frightening responsibility. The accountability that we feel to God for this responsibility sometimes can feel pretty daunting. Um, and then you come across verses like James 3.1 that say this, not many of you should become teachers my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I don't like that verse, right? <laughs> who wants to be under the microscope more? So those are some of the things that we have to deal with. Um, again, none of us asked for this. We didn't pursue these positions, but God has called us, so we're trying to do our best um, to be faithful to that calling with at least somewhat of an understanding of how flawed we are and how many mistakes we make. So that's kind of one side of the equation of what Paul talks about in these two verses. Now we're going to look at the other side. In these two verses, Paul also has a list of responsibilities for the sheep. That's you guys, okay? Um, a survey of 3,000 churches asked this question. What are the main reasons people drop out of a church? One of the most common replies was this. I don't like the pastor. It sucks to be me, doesn't it? Sheep can make life miserable for the shepherds when they are disobedient to their responsibilities as well. So what are those things? So let's look at that passage again. It says, first of all, the sheep are to respect or honor their shepherds. Now, actually, the Greek word that, that Paul used here, is the best translation of that really is to know. So you guys have a responsibility to know the shepherds of our church. And here's why. It's easy to be critical or indifferent to people that you don't know. 
It's easy to be critical or indifferent to someone you don't know. And a lot of times in life, we make assumptions based on a very small sample size of interactions with people, um, and then we form opinions about the heart or the motives of a leader. And I do that um, at home with my wife all the time. When we are in a place where we just haven't really communicated very much, and I haven't really asked her, like, how is your life? How are your circumstances? And I just kind of come in with all these assumptions about she's doing this to make me mad, and why isn't she doing this? And those conversations don't usually go very well. And I assume all kind of inaccurate things because I just don't know her in that time. And that's an ongoing process because I might have known her a month ago, but then when we don't talk for a few weeks because we have four kids, then all of a sudden I don't know her very well again. So sheep, you guys have the responsibility to know the leaders, to, to try to appreciate what we do, what life is like here, and to strive to understand our hearts. Secondly, in verse 13, Paul says, to hold them in the highest regard in love, or my favorite, the message translation, to overwhelm them with appreciation and love. I mean, that's scripture, people. That's not me. You are to overwhelm me, right? The Greek there is translated beyond all measure, beyond all measure. And why? Paul says, because of their work on your behalf. And that's pretty extravagant language that he uses there, okay? Pretty extravagant. And, and Paul talks about the great love that some of the churches had for him. I want you to open your Bibles to Galatians 4, which is page 812 in your pew Bibles. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 4. Paul had gone in there and preached the gospel to the people in Galatia, and he's writing them a letter back. And in chapter 4 of Galatians, starting in verse 13, Paul said this, As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. So we don't really know what was going on with Paul what his sickness was, what his ailment was. But he's saying, like, listen, I was kind of a pain. I was a burden to you. But you didn't treat me like that. You treated me as if I were an angel of God, if I were Christ Jesus myself. Okay, that, that's a little bit of a, a picture of appreciation and love for a shepherd there. Again, Paul does a great job of explaining what love looks like in this famous passage in 1 Corinthians that we hear at a lot of weddings, Right? As we read this, I want you to think in terms of um, how you love our leadership here at church. When you read these, does this describe the love that you have for your leaders here? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. Two of those that really stand out to me um, 
when I think about when I used to be a congregant and I used to go to church, uh, keeping no record of wrongs, and, and love always trusts. Because I really think that the world's view of trust is something that has to be earned. And you hear that all the time. You know, man, you're going to have to earn my trust back, right? In the kingdom of God, trust is granted. Because if God only used me or you when he trusted us, he would never use us. Because we're not trustworthy, <laughs> right? We are sinful, flawed people who day after day screw up. And so we have to extend trust. We have to extend grace, extend patience, extend love to people who don't always deserve it, who don't, haven't always earned it, but we do it out of obedience because Christ tells us to, right? Finally, in verse 13, it says that we are supposed to live at peace with one another. And this is a theme that goes throughout the New Testament. One of my favorite uh, verses on peace is found in Romans 14. <clears throat> it says this, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Man, how many times have I made some effort, but not every effort to be at peace with everyone? That's a, that's a pretty high calling. And guys, discord in the church is cancerous. And we can't be shepherds and you can't be sheep who cultivate strife or rumors or gossip or dissension. Because I've been that person towards leaders in my life. And it's an ugly, prideful, arrogant spirit on my part at different times in my life. And the writer of Hebrews, I think, puts it really well. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. In other words, it is to your benefit to love your leaders well because then they take joy in what they do. And some people might say, well, what if those people are wrong? I mean, what if they're jerks? And I would say, that's not your problem, right? Because it says we're going to be made to account. We have to account for our actions. And guess what? You will be blessed for being faithful and obedient to a bunch of jerks. So it's going to work out for you, and I'm going to get mine, is what he's saying, all right? You see, the problem is is the context in which this was written. Because back then in Thessalonica, guess how many churches there were to go to? One, right? So you had to learn to live with the shepherds and the sheep in that church. You didn't have options, right? Now in our culture, you don't like what's going on, you just go somewhere else, right? I don't like the way that pastor does that or those leaders do that, so I'm just gonna head on over to the other church. And we miss a really amazing opportunity to learn what it means to forgive, to learn what it means to receive forgiveness, and, and to learn how to live at peace with people who maybe are difficult sometimes. When the sheep and shepherds are obedient to their responsibilities, then man, the church becomes a really sweet 
and life-giving place. It becomes a, a winsome place, a place that people are drawn to because of the prevailing uh, grace and love that is there. Believe me, people can tell when they walk into a church that lacks peace. I've been to churches where it didn't take me very long inside the door to kind of realize people aren't getting along here. People aren't happy with the leadership. Leadership's not happy with them. It's ugly, and it just distracts us from the mission of making disciples. So as your shepherds here, I want to tell you that, that we really desire to do well. We really want to do well, and we know we blow it sometimes, and we know that we're flawed people just like you. And so I'm asking you, can we work harder with each other to make sure that the kingdom advances and that our, our pettiness at times um, and just our disobedience doesn't become a hindrance to that? I sure hope we can. Well, now that we've established some things, that the responsibility of well, Wellspring's leadership is this. The responsibility of the shepherds are to work hard for you. And let me just say this before we go into this. I, there's a lot of visitors here today. There's a lot of family here from out of town. So if you're a part of a church back where you're from, please think of it in that context, okay? Um, if you're new here, then hey, you're going to get off the ground on a, on a good foot here, okay? Our responsibility is to work hard for you, to use our God-given authority to care for you, to urge and guide you along in your obedience to God's word. The sheep's responsibility, again, is this, to respect and honor the shepherds, to know them, to overwhelm them with love. Could you put that one in bold? No, I'm just kidding. Um, to live at peace with them, okay? So now that we've established kind of that's what we're supposed to do, um, I hope this morning can be more about just information, Okay, I hope you've learned something here this morning, but ultimately I hope that where this is taking us is to a place of confession and repentance. Because I can't speak for my staff or board, so I'll just speak for myself. I've been here for eight years, and there have been seasons of that time where, um, you know, I've just been discouraged at times, um, times where I've been restless and just honestly just kind of wanted to go and do something new because I like doing new things. And when things have gotten hard around here, there have been times when I just probably haven't worked as hard as I should, um, maybe haven't loved people as deeply as I should. Probably, I know I have, taken this place and, and you guys for granted. Um, and so I just want to confess that to you this morning and, and really ask for your forgiveness at times if I've disappointed you along the way. And my guess, because it's human nature, is that there have been times when some of you may have been critical towards me, um, most of the time not to my face, but usually in, in other groups of people, in other settings, or, or Justin, or Stacy, or Becca, or our leadership here. And there were times when we probably deserved that, and there were probably times where you made some assumptions about us um, that may or may not have been true because you really didn't know us that well at the time. Times when maybe you've taken us for granted or really just haven't loved us very well. And friends, we have to do better. And, and it really comes down to love. And First Peter puts it like this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Guys, we are all flawed. Your shepherds, you as the sheep, 
we're all just broken people trying to become more like Christ. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that are frustrating, that hurt one another. But if we love each other well, it can cover over a lot of that stuff. And so as we close today, I want to ask you, because it's my responsibility to help you be obedient to God's word, I want to ask you that, that if you have some unresolved stuff, and it might be sheep to shepherd, it might be shepherd to sheep, I'm going to encourage my staff and board to fully participate in this well, it might be sheep to sheep. Maybe there's some other sheep in here that you haven't gotten along with. You've harbored some bitterness or anger or unforgiveness or whatever it might be towards them. Do not walk out of this door this morning without at least coming to them and saying, hey, I, I realize that I need to share some stuff with you and, and it's probably gonna be a longer conversation than we have this morning, so I'll, I'll call you or get in touch with this week and set up a time to get together. If you can do it in this building before you leave today, I would encourage you to do that. Because what's going to happen is you're going to walk out this door and God has put something on your heart and the enemy's job is to snatch that seed away. And he's going to make you want to not do it in about two minutes. <laughs> and we're not going to allow him to have that victory. Okay? Because we need to be at peace with one another because we want to be a church that's obedient. So I'm going to ask you to follow through. Okay? And humble yourself. Humble yourself as a person that asks for forgiveness. Humble yourself as a person that receives it. And take them at their word. Because love always trusts, right? That their motives and their intentions are pure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this just very clear teaching this morning. About how we are supposed to respond to our leaders. And how our leaders are supposed to care for for the congregants, the sheep here, God, we, we all have a role to play. And, and when it goes right, when we get it right, there's this, this amazing aroma of Christ that permeates our relationships, that flows out of this building and out into our jobs and our families and every person that we touch when we're at peace with one another. And God, I know that, that I gossip. I know that I think wrongly about people and I haven't taken the time to know them. And I know people do that towards us and it's just not okay. Lord, we need to be obedient people because there's, there's, there's good reasons why we need to honor one another. And so Lord, we come to you, we, we confess our sin. We ask for your forgiveness, God, but we really ask for courage to make things right. We ask for humility and a brokenness over our own sin. God, so that, so that we can just honor you this morning as a church. And so that we can be a church like the one in Thessalonica where our faith rings out to other places. This, hey, Wellspring's a place that handles this stuff well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And guys, I also